Welcome to episode three of the Longleaf Podcast. Once again, I'm Andrew Dunn, founder and publisher of Longleaf Politics, the best way to follow North Carolina news and information. And while it's official, folks, Charlotte has been chosen to host the 2020 Republican National Convention. Now, we spoke earlier this week with County Commissioner Matthew Ridenauer, who's actually attended the last several RNCs to learn a little bit about that. And today, we're going to talk about whether this is an opportunity for Charlotte to boost its political acumen. Charlotte is certainly known for being a business town, not a political one. I'm joined with Larry Shaheen once again to talk about this. Here we go. The political world is all talking about Charlotte right now after the announcement earlier today that the city will host the 2020 Republican National Convention. But that's certainly not typically the case. You know, Charlotte is known as a center for business and commerce, but not necessarily a center of political power. I'm joined here today uh, by Lawrence Shaheen, brightest minds in Charlotte politics, to talk about what it would take for Charlotte to become a political center. Hey, Larry, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm good. My mom just heard you say that, and she's probably smiling. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm doing great. I'm excited about the RNC, but pleased to be here with you. This is going to be a good discussion. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to come on the podcast. I'm surprised you're not in Austin today. Well, and this is actually going to be an interesting story uh, to, to follow on a separate track. The, uh, the development of the campaign efforts um, in a parallel with the convention, because it's for, for, for everyone it's going to be very important to remember that, you know, it'll be great when we throw a big party for the Republican Party in September of 2020. But there are still two election cycles uh, to go before we get there. And then there'll be an election cycle after that. So I'm actually sitting in a campaign office right now getting prepped for uh, neighborhood walks, calls and all kinds of fun stuff. So that the work continues. Yeah, I really respect uh, people knocking on doors out in this heat right now. So uh, my hat's off to you. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We're going to be talking about uh, the RNC for the next two years. Uh, but I thought this would be a kind of a good topic to get started on. Uh, you know, Charlotte is kind of synonymous, at least in North Carolina, with business, with banking, not with politics. I mean, is that is that your sense as well? Well, that's always been my sense. And, you know, the one thing that people have always talked about with Charlotte is that even Mecklenburg County itself, the, the, the rest of the state likes to refer to Mecklenburg County as the great state of Mecklenburg. And for a while there, you'll find this actually quite funny. When I was working with um, a CLT blog, we used to have a, a little television show that we recorded over at uh, WTVI uh, that was called the state of Mecklenburg that tried to discuss politics on a business level. And the fun part about all this is that Mecklenburg County ever since the start of the revolution has always been its own existence. It's always had its own identity. And I think that the one thing that's, that's, that's made Charlotte be successful is that they've always focused on making sure that they, they grow the city through business and not through government or one uh, industry or that industry. It, it's been a, a, a center of trade and commerce primarily because it's always been mm-hmm. right in the middle of, of centers of transportation. So you know, it's created the the image, but it's been very interesting how that means how it, it, Charlotte continues to move forward now that it seems to be in a, in, a, in a state of change with the possibility of banks coming or going and new industries emerging. Yeah, that, that's certainly the case. But what does it take to be a political town? You know, certainly North Carolina, everybody looks at, at Raleigh, uh, the seat of, of government, you know, the capitals there. 
Um, but there's certainly plenty of examples of cities that are not the state capital that have a political culture. I mean, what, what do you, you know, when you look, gauge whether a city is a political town, what are you looking for? One of the most important things you're going to be looking for are whether or not the businesses support lots of political activity. And that means, you know, whether or not the businesses are politically active and engaged. Let me give you some, some, some data and examples here to make my point. The number one way for folks to track political activity is through donations. Okay. okay. And when you go to North Carolina's uh, state board of elections and you go to the federal levels, uh, federal election commission, you can actually pull down and see how many donors are from Charlotte. Now we have a, a couple of very large donors and folks that give, but I can tell you, for example, North Carolina uh, has seen Charlotte underperform its own economic level in level of donations and level of, of performance. Um, they're kind of underpunching because we're punching below their weight class because you've only got, for example, Phil Berger is a perfect example in the state Senate. You know, Charlotte and Mecklenburg County really don't donate to Phil Berger a lot. He raises a lot of money, but, but they really don't get a lot of, of support from Charlotte. Tim Moore was the same way. Tom Tillis got a lot of support statewide and got some support from Mecklenburg, but it was tough because even outside Mecklenburg, the, the biggest complaint I hear about Mecklenburg is that folks don't seem to understand that there's a process that takes place all over the country politically. And the absence of what I would like to call a political acumen and, and, and folks whose job it is, is to understand the political system um, is a primary example because we don't have a lot of folks whose job it is to look at the CEOs and look at the folks in the business community and look at them and say, understand something. Your job is to participate in the political system, however that may be. That means you have to get engaged. We don't have a lot of folks pushing that. And, and it's an interesting history. Answer me this, Andrew. Do you remember Jim Black? I do. I do. Jim Black was the last speaker before Tom Tillis. There was a lot of stuff going on around that, and a lot of, a lot of bad names got made for folks who were associated with Jim Black. Now, how good is it to have a bad name with business? Not good whatsoever. That's exactly right. So, again, uh, while I'm a big proponent of being involved and helping to uh, float the outcome and try to help determine the outcome, whether on the Democratic or Republican side, the most interesting thing is that a lot of business folks are like, look, the government's going to run regardless of who runs it. And really, as long as they're not affecting my bottom line or screwing with my profitability index, there's really no reason for me to get involved because the risk of getting involved and being called out by the other side and losing business is, is to some folks almost of a greater concern than having government that may or may not necessarily be best for their business or for their individual preference. Perfect example, our owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Do you remember what his favorite phrase was about what he did with his uh, political beliefs? Well, I, you know, I've heard that this may or may not be true, but he's reported to have said Republicans buy shoes, too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and for him, it's like and that's always the question. And, and, and Charlotte has always been um, more interested in making sure that, that and maybe it's just because of the corporate nature of the of the businesses. Maybe it's just because of the fact that uh, they think that they and they can, to a certain extent, survive on their own. But. The question is going to be, given that all of these other states around the country are, 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 are helping fuel their cities, we've got to get Charlotte to understand that regardless of whatever party controls the legislature, this state is going to require 
participation in what goes on here in Charlotte. And there's a lot of folks who've been politically involved, but the question is whether or not that you can continue it because it kind of happens in spurts. Um, you look back at the history of Charlotte, remember no Charlotte mayor or Charlotte local elected had served in a major statewide office in a very long time. Pat McCrory broke that record. I mean, I can think of two very, very notable individuals, Eddie Knox and Richard Van Root, who both tried for nominations and to win governor for their, from their prospective parties. At the time, it was Eddie Knox on the Democratic side. On the Republican side was Richard Van Root. Richard Van Root even tried, and I have to tell you, Richard Van Root, to me, one of the most honorable, deserving gentlemen to have ever put his name forward for political service. But that Mecklenburg Association statewide, there is still this, this, this little bit of envy, this little bit of jealousness that comes along with that up in Raleigh. And people used to say that the greatest divide was the 85 uh, corridor length, because when you went from Charlotte to Raleigh, everything completely changed. And it, it, it created this need for people to truly understand that disconnect. But Charlotte, whether or not it's a positive thing, doesn't necessarily, a lot of businesses don't believe in having dedicated governmental relations practices. Well, it's interesting. The classic political story in Charlotte uh, to this point is, is actually about circumventing uh, the rules or circumventing politics as opposed to working through them. I think of uh, Hugh McCall when he was building NCNB, I mean, kind of his big coup was figuring out a way to break out of the interstate banking laws. You know, back in, the, in those days, you couldn't have a bank that crossed state lines. Uh, but he figured out by uh, acquiring a Florida bank, he was able to get around that. So, you know, he definitely was not uh, successful in getting the laws changed to his advantage at that point. He had to go around it. So I, I think that's kind of telling in, in terms of Charlotte's um, relationship with the, the political system. Well, and you just mentioned the most important word there, Andrew, relationship. Everybody likes to think that money talks in politics. Well, I can tell you that's absolutely not the most important factor. The most important factor in, in politics is a relationship. The ability to look across the table at someone, have them tell you something, and trust that it's going to be true. A lot of times there's things that are lost in translation, and business folks necessarily – I mean, there's a reason that Tom Tillis was able to rise as fast as he did. And that's because Tom Tillis would look at someone and say, I'm going to go do this. And they'd say, no, there's no way you're going to go do that. No, I'm going to go do that. And he did. And he took his little blue truck and he ran all over the state. And he was able to make the majority in the House Republican. And he did it because he went to business leaders and explained how it was better for them to have Republicans in the General Assembly. Whether or not that was, you know, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that, but I'm going to tell you something right now. An engaged business community is good for the city. Perfect example. It's funny because more of the business leaders would give in the mayoral elections for Charlotte and think that the Charlotte mayoral and city council elections were a bigger deal than the General Assembly. But for the first time in a long time, we have had very underfunded city council and mayoral races, except for this last mayoral race. Think about it this way, Andrew. In 2000, I want to say you go back to like maybe 2001, 2003, maybe, maybe it was 05. Pat Mumford, in February of that year, you don't even file for city council. I'm going to go way back. Pat Mumford had already raised $111,000 for his city council run in February of that year. We'll, now, by, by November, we're lucky if city council races are even funded to that level. At the end of the day, 
money does is a requirement. And for, for folks in the city of Charlotte, folks running countywide, the fact that, that we don't see a large participation of business leaders in local government not, and, and state government and federal government is, is a shame because if Charlotte wants to be able to become a big-time city, the businesses are going to have to invest in, low, in, in governmental relations staff. And it's not the Wells Fargo's of the world or the uh, major business businesses of the area. It's going to be folks like Duke Energy. And I'll tell you, Duke Energy is a perfect example to emulate. Duke Energy has one of the best governmental relations practices in the entire state. They are very well adept and they are very well trained. They know what they're doing. What should happen is businesses that want to participate in the process or need to participate in the process, like Duke, should be bringing more talent from Raleigh, from Washington, into Charlotte to be able to help them understand it and start to grow some of folks who have a, have, a, have, a, have a very close connection to Charlotte and sending those folks out into the world to have them learn how to better navigate these political systems, come back in and be able to help the businesses work within them because it's far easier to be able to have a city grow and be successful when you understand the political system and work the political system than if you are going out there and beating your, beating your head against the wall, trying to defeat someone who does understand the political system. At the end of the day, Charlotte is in competition with Wilmington and Winston-Salem and Raleigh and Greensboro and Asheville for resources in the state budget. It should be treating those resources as just as vital as business investment and talent. And the day they understand that is the day Charlotte will no longer have to fight what's going on in the legislature. Yeah, I mean, speaking of beating your head against the wall, I mean, when I look at Charlotte's uh, history and in interacting politically with the rest of the state, I mean, that's been that's been the story. I mean, I think of mm-hmm. the fight over control of the Charlotte airport. I think about, you know, obviously House Bill 2 and the Charlotte non-discrimination ordinance. And I even think I, I'm, I recall a couple of years ago when Charlotte was discussing uh, economic incentives deal with the Carolina Panthers, uh, Charlotte just kind of wrote off any chance of ever getting any help from the state or even authority from the state to change its tax structure in order to um, help give incentives. I mean, it wasn't even there wasn't even a discussion of, oh, well, well, we'll just talk with our folks, our friends up in Raleigh and, and make this happen. It was just written off as not possible. Well, and this is a perfect example of the Panthers. Think about it this way. What's the most important regional asset, to Charlotte, other than the airport? Okay. Uh, the Panthers are one of them for sure. Yes, the Panthers. So who has a who has a, a distinct interest in making sure the Panthers are successful in Charlotte, other than the folks in Mecklenburg County? Mm. It's all your regional other legislators. It's the folks Absolutely. that it's the folks in Union County, Cabarrus County, Iredell County, Lincoln County, Catawba County, Gaston County. Start there. Let's start. And, and I've always heard folks talk about regionalism. Well, regionalism is not Charlotte leading folks by the nose. Regionalism is finding issues that Charlotte can work on the other areas uh, regional leaders with together and being able to find ways for Mecklenburg County and those other areas to go and help convince others across the state. I'll tell you, and, this, and, and there's, another, there's a perfect example of that. Jason Sane, legislator from Lincoln County. He was one of the few rural legislators to push back hard with Bill Brawley on sales tax redistribution. And the reason that that issue died 
was because of folks like Jason Singh, who were regional rural legislators. Lincoln County would have seen a benefit from that probably, but he was willing to say, look, you cannot hurt your economic powerhouse in the region and expect the rest of us to just sit back and say, okay, well, this is great for us because it's not. And if Charlotte were, was able to sell itself more to its local regional partners and take those regional partners to Raleigh as allies and get them to agree, we would see a lot more success. And it's about, as weird as it sounds, it's about building the team. It's about building the team to understand that Charlotte's not by itself. It doesn't live on an island. It's, the world is more connected than ever before. The relationships that folks in Charlotte have with legislators across the state is vital. So it is, it is almost in the city's best interests. It's in the business's best interests. It's in the best interests of all of the citizens to be educated about legislators across the state and regionally, as well, as well as legislators at the federal level, so that they can truly be able to build relationships. And at a time when something incredibly important comes up, like the Panthers, or when there's something else that needs to happen, it's good. you don't have to, you're not running a Chinese fire drill. You're actually going to be able to start from a position of strength as opposed to a position of weakness. I view it as insurance. Sometimes you may not need those relationships, but you know what? They're always valuable to have, especially when you, when you need them the most. Yeah, well, there's, I'm seeing a couple signs of encouragement that Charlotte might be starting to get it. And one of them uh, was actually just uh, last week. The Charlotte Area Transit System put out some maps of its new light rail lines uh, that they want to build, especially out to the west. And that actually crosses the Catawba River into Gaston County, which I think would uh, be a huge bridge right there. Uh, but for our last two minutes, I want to talk, uh, bring this back to the RNC, the Republican National Convention. I mean, is there a chance for Charlotte to use this as a way to, you know, obviously the RNC is going to be sending some 200 people to the city to work on this convention, you know, connected political people. Is there a chance for Charlotte to keep them here and to kind of build, build that muscle through the RNC? Well, the thing about it is that this is not going to necessarily be able to, to, to have folks come in and stay. The most important and valuable asset of a, of a political convention is the ability to have folks come to your city, show them the great work being done in the city, by not just the local electeds, but more importantly, the business leaders, the folks that are doing the work. By, by being able to have those folks come in and say, oh, wow, I see what you're talking about. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, Charlotte used to sponsor regional legislators from across the state to come to Charlotte to see the problems that they were having. When you bring people to somewhere and they see it with their own eyes, you're not just all of a sudden talking about something that's, that's abstract. It's very concrete. Charlotte is going to have an opportunity to be able to showcase its unbelievable successes, but also its challenges as well, and be able to have folks say, look, at the end of the day, this is what we're talking about, folks. This is why we need you here and why we need you to support us when we come to you and ask you for help. I think the benefit for Charlotte is going to be incredible, not just from a federal level and the fact that so many folks from the federal government are going to be here in Charlotte and be able to see all the opportunities for what they can do, but to be able to bring in all those state folks, those Republicans who come in from regional areas, show them that, yes, Charlotte cares indeed about you as well, and that our success is your success, and a partnership there makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that's all the time that we have. Uh, again, we're speaking today with Lawrence Shaheen, a Republican 
political consultant here in Charlotte. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks very much for listening to the Longleaf Podcast. We hope you learned something. If you haven't yet, please go to longleafpolitics.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. And we'll see you again soon.